provisions over our lives, your uh, love and kindness and your power and your authority over our lives, and you continue to just see every situation through. And so we praise your name first and foremost tonight, Father, and we, we just give everything back to you that you've given us in praise. And Father, I pray that you will just penetrate the kid's barn tonight. Father, I pray that you will just create a movement within the kid's ministry. I pray that that movement will start within their own hearts tonight pray that they'll know you more deeply. I pray that you'll create a generation that just seeks after you. And Father, I pray the same in this room tonight. Guide us, teach us more about you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Kids, you are dismissed. Have a wonderful, wonderful time. Well, good evening. How is everybody? Good. I almost didn't ask. That response was so strong, I felt like I didn't even have to ask how you were. It's pretty good. So, hey, my name is Dallas. I'm one of the leaders here at Grace Meadows. Uh, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I'd love that opportunity afterwards. If you get a chance to introduce yourself, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, let's just go ahead and get right into it. So, in John chapter 13... Jesus washes the feet of the disciples, and then he goes ahead and he sends Judas out. He says, go ahead, Judas, do what you feel like you need to do. And then he grabs the other disciples, and he sort of leans in, and he says, all right, I've got one more command for you. This is a brand new command. He says this in John 13, starting in 34. He says, a new command I give you. He says, love one another. Now, this part's not new. Uh, Jesus knows that we have basically no capacity to love. So the next part, he says, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So take the love that he's given to us and allow that love to flow out of us into the lives of other people. And in verse 35, he says this. He says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So, we don't have to try to prove that we are Christians, that if we have got His love in us and we are willing to love as He has loved, people will know that we are His disciple. Well, I read these words a couple years back and I, uh, I was struck by the profoundness of that statement of just, okay, if we love like he loves, then people will just know. And I, I thought, wow, that's amazing, but I didn't really know what that looked like. Like, you see that in the scriptures, you see the way he loved people, but sort of to take that and translate that to our everyday interactions and what that looks like, I, I wasn't really sure. So I had, uh, I remember distinctly just this posture of God 
tell me what that looks like. Like, I'm really interested in you just providing for me examples of what that looks like for me here today. And there are moments, you know, in your life where uh, you do have just this open, kind of desperate posture, and God meets you in that space. And this was kind of one of those moments. And later on that day, I came across a story about the 1936 Olympics. Y'all knew I was going there next, naturally, right? Uh, These were hosted in Berlin, Germany. And it was a a bit of uh, an issue, right? Because you've had the Hitler regime for about three years, and a lot of Olympians were really hesitant about going to these Olympics at all. And he has kind of made his thought process known about... I believe that there is a supreme race, there's an Aryan race, and uh, there was a guy named Lutz Long, he was a long jumper, he was made to be a long jumper, right, Lutz Long, Uh, and he really embodied this idea of, he had blonde hair, blue eyes, he was really tall, athletic, imposing looking guy, and he was favored to win the gold medal in the Olympics, unless an American named Jesse Owens beat him. It was these two guys, head-to-head. Everybody else was so far down the list, it was going to be one of these two guys that was going to win. Well, it comes time for the qualifier, and the way that they did it is if you had, to, you had three jumps and you had to qualify for the championship round. So if one of your jumps was in the top certain amount, then you would make it to the championship round. So Lutz Long does his jump, and he uh, qualifies. I mean, he has just this major jump. He gets in, no problem whatsoever. Well, Jesse Owens, on the other hand, he scratches on his first attempt. He um, goes past the line, so he gets a score of zero, so it doesn't count for him. And he does it a second time, actually. And this was kind of rare because, you know, a good long jumper, they may scratch every now and then, but they typically can sort of make that adjustment the second time, and especially somebody like Jesse Owens. But in fact, the second time, he scratches worse than he even did the first time. Now, think if you're just, uh, uh, let's long in this moment, all right? I mean, I know if I'm Lutz Long, then I'm saying, giddy up, let's go. I mean, he, if he scratches one more time, I am smooth sailing. This, this gold medal, I can taste it already. I've worked so hard for this. My country's behind me. I'm at home. This is going to be great. But what happens next goes against all human nature. And I quickly connected back to what I read just earlier that day from John 13, what we read here tonight. This is his response. And Jesse Owens would recall this in a Reader's Digest interview in 1960. This is Jesse Owens talking. He says this, Walking a few yards from the pit, I kicked at the dirt in disgust. Suddenly I felt a hand on my shoulder. Jesse Owens, I'm Lutz Long. I don't think we've met. He spoke English well, though with a German twist. Glad to meet you, I said. Then trying to hide my nervousness, I added, how are you? I'm fine. The question is, how are you? What do you mean, I asked. Well, something must be eating at you, he said. You should be able to qualify with your eyes closed. 
Believe me, I know it, I told him, and it felt good to say that to someone. For the next few minutes we talked. I didn't tell Lutz what was eating at me, but he seemed to understand my anger and he took pains to reassure me. Although he'd been indoctrinated in the Nazi youth movement, he didn't believe in the Aryan supremacy business any more than I did. We laughed over the fact that he really looked the part, though. He had a lean, muscular frame, blue eyes, blonde hair, and a handsome, chiseled face. Finally, seeing that I had calmed down somewhat, he pointed to the takeoff board. Why don't you draw a line a few centimeters in back of the board and make your takeoff from there, he said. You'll be sure not to foul, and you certainly ought to jump far enough to qualify. What does it matter if you're not first in the trials? Tomorrow is what counts. The tension seemed to ebb out of my body as the truth of what he said hit me. Confidently, I drew a line a full 30 centimeters behind the board and proceeded to jump from there. I qualified. Now, remember what I said about John 13. When I heard this story, my initial thought was, this is what Jesus was talking about. In fact, I would have been extremely surprised if I had learned that Lutz Long was not a follower of Jesus. Because this radical act was the only explanation that he was a follower of Jesus. It went against every single human explanation I could think of. We're in a series right now where we're talking about living in the kingdom of God. And one thing you got to know that I hadn't shared with you yet is that Jesse Owens, before he took his first jump, was praying in the dirt. And Lutz Long quickly connected the fact that they were, in fact, brothers. That they belonged to the same family of God together. And this family would transcend Olympic medals. It would transcend Nazi Germany. It would transcend the entire world because they belonged to a new kingdom. And as different as they were in nationality and height and size and color and experience, these men were united as brothers through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And y'all look, no one would have blamed Lutz Long if he would have just sat back, got his popcorn ready, watched Jesse Owens just struggling I mean, he's worked his entire life. Dude's 28 years old. He has worked his entire life for this. He's doing this in front of his home crowd. This may be his only chance at a gold medal. And not only that, but he's doing this in front of a dictator who has already shown dominance over people. He's already said that, uh, that this type of human is the best and you better prove me right at the Olympics, he's got to think what happens if he befriends somebody like Jesse Owens. He's got to think what happens to me in this scenario. But see, his kingdom that he was a part of was much bigger than any of that. The kingdom of God. And what he did was he used his position of power and influence not to leverage his own personal gain, but to share that with someone who was in a vulnerable position. He had compassion even over his competitor. The question I have for us tonight that I, I want us to wrestle with is, how do you use 
the position that you've been given. Because all of us have some sort of position over others in our lives. My six-year-old Charlie has position over my youngest daughter. We all have some sort of position. How do we use it? We need to determine what we're going to do with this power. Because here's the thing. In John 13, the choices are clear. You have Judas, who for his own personal gain is willing to harm others. And then you have Jesus, who's willing to give himself up for the benefit of others. And y'all, our nature is Judas, but our new life is Jesus. And so what do we do with the position that we've been given. And when we follow the example of Jesus, the people will know that we are his disciple. Jesse Owens um, continues this interview. Uh, we'll continue in the story here. He says this, and this is going into the championship round. It says, as it turned out, Lutz broke his own past record. In doing so, he inspired me to deliver a peak performance. I remember that at that instant I landed from my final jump, the one that set the Olympic record of 8.06 meters. He was at my side congratulating me. Despite the fact that Hitler glared at us from the stands not 100 meters away, Lutz shook my hand hard. And it wasn't a fake smile with a broken-hearted grip either. You can melt down all the gold medals and cups I have received, and they wouldn't come close to outshining the 24-karat friendship that I felt for Lutz at that moment. The two would then take a victory lap together and demonstrate for us a picture of what it looks like to live in God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. As two rivals, as different as could be, are united through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The story continues a couple years later where Lutz Long has been drafted into the Nazi army. Uh, and he writes a, a letter to Jesse Owens. And Long seems to feel like the writing is on the wall for him in this letter. Uh, we don't know if he sealed his fate with what he did in the Olympics, but knowing what we know now about the Nazi regime, it's certainly possible that his fate was sealed on that day, but he would write to Jesse Owens a letter on the eve of his death at war just a few years later. He says this. He says, I'm here, Jesse, where it seems there is only the dry sand and the wet blood. I do not fear so much for myself, my friend Jesse. I fear for my woman who is at home and my young son Carl, who has never really known his father. Now, reference this back to the cross with Jesus, who is more concerned about the people around him than he is his own death. He says, my heart tells me, if I be honest with you, that this is the last letter I shall ever write. If it is so, I ask you something. It is a something so very important to me. It is that you go to Germany when this war is done. Someday find my Carl and tell him about his father. Tell him, Jesse, what times were like when we were not separated by war. Tell him how things can be between men on this earth. That hour in Berlin when I first spoke to you, when you had your knee upon the ground, I knew that you were in prayer. And you, I believe, will read this letter while it should not be possible to reach you ever 
for purpose more even than our friendship. I believe this shall come about because I think now that God will make it come about. This is what I have to tell you, Jesse. I think I believe in God and I pray to him that even while it should not be possible for this to reach you ever, these words I write will still be read by you. Long would, in fact, die uh, the next day in battle, and, and Owens would not only go to Germany one day to share uh, with Lutz Long's son about Lutz. In fact, he continues this relationship all the way through the point where Lutz Long's son gets married, and he becomes the best man at his son's wedding. He did show how it can be with men. And on and on in this story, we see the John 13 example in the midst of chaos in a culture that's so concerned with position and power, Long's dying request was for Owens to show his family how it can be among people. It doesn't have to look like waging war for selfish gain. It can look like the example of Jesus that takes his power and leverages it for others. Y'all, this is how it can be. That we can let his love flow through us so much that it overflows in us into the lives of other people. This is how it can be here with us as well. You know, when um, Jesus told the disciples he was about to give up his life, uh, the disciples were confused. I think as we all would be. I mean, Jesus, you are supposed to win. We're, we're used to seeing you win. Like, how many drop-the-mic moments have you had over the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day? You aren't supposed to lose. But Jesus said, essentially, no, no, you don't understand. See, this is how we win. We use our position of power And we use it for the benefit of others, and that is how we win, because we're playing an entirely different game with an entirely different win. And this focus, this radical act of love, this is how people will know that we're his disciple. And we'll begin to see all kinds of wins all around us. If we do this, this is how people will know. Well, if you're here tonight and... You're struggling to receive this kind of love. I don't want you to force it because we don't have it within our capacity. So what I want us to do is, is spend the rest of our time being reminded of the love that Jesus has given to us. If it helps you to close your eyes as we go through this, by all means do it. I want you to picture the fact that Jesus is talking to us just as much as he's talking to the people here in the scriptures when I read this. In John chapter 1, he leaves his position in heaven and puts on flesh in order to dwell among us. In John chapter 2, his time has not yet come, but as a favor to his mother, he works a miracle to keep the wine flowing at the party. In John chapter 3, he invites us all away from our birth into sin and into a new option, into being born again into a new life through himself. In John chapter 4, he meets a broken down Samaritan woman and he says, hey, you're invited to this family too. You are not too far gone to be a part of this family. 
In John chapter 5, he says, Despite all of your sin, I did not come to accuse you, but to bring you life in my name. In John chapter 6, he looks upon a crowd with compassion and miraculously feeds those who were hungry. In John chapter 7, he says, Let anyone who thirsts come to me, and I will give you rivers of living water that well up into life. In John chapter 8, he points out that he's the only one who can condemn sin, and he looks upon this adulterous woman and he says, Neither do I condemn you. Go leave your life of sin. In John 9, he heals a blind man and then reveals to him in a one-on-one conversation that he is the Messiah. The one you have encountered is the Messiah. In John 10, he says, enter through this narrow gate that I offer and you will be saved. You will have life in his name. In John 11, he weeps over his friend Lazarus and then he shows everyone that death doesn't get to determine life, that he gets to determine life because he is life. In John 12, when everyone is yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, and is ready to make him king, he says, no, no, it's time for me to give up my life on your behalf, and that's my kingship. In John 13, he washes the feet of the disciples, and he says, where I'm going, you cannot come, because I've got to go to the cross alone, so that you will never, ever be alone again. In John 14, he declares to his disciples, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Just follow me and you will know the way, you will know the truth, and you will have life. In John 15, he says, all I ask is that you just remain in me. Abide in me. You don't have to focus on all these different to-dos anymore. Just remain in me and you will keep these things. Just remain in me. In John 16, he says, yes, you're going to have trouble, but you never have to lose heart because he's overcome everything, the entire world. In John 17, in his final hours, he prays for his disciples. He says, Father, one of my final requests is is that, uh, that these people whom I love will be one, just as you and I, Father, are one. In John 18, he has the opportunity to sway Pilate away and preserve his life. But he says, no, 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 I'm going to close my mouth and keep it shut so that I can give up my life on your behalf. In John 19, as he's hanging on the cross on our behalf, about to die, after being brutally beaten, he looks upon Mary and he says uh, to Mary and his brother John, he says, hey, you guys have each other. Take care of each other. Even on the cross, he's thinking about others. In John 20, he defeats death once and for all. And he says to Mary at the tomb, he says, don't cry. I'm here. Go tell the disciples. I'm here with you. And because I've defeated the grave, that there is nothing that can stand between us again. And in John 21, he goes to Peter, who was Jesus' best friend on earth, but abandoned him. When he went to the cross, and he so patiently and lovingly says to Peter once again, he says, follow me. In other words, I forgive you, Peter. I I will continue to be patient with you. Now go and lead my people in my name. That's the God that we have who loves us. Y'all, there are a lot of things in the world that we can have doubts about, the love of Jesus for us is never anything that we need to have doubt about, that he will always love us. I want us just to receive 
that truth here tonight and stay in it and be remade in it and extend this love to other people because this is how people will know that we're his disciple. Let's pray. Father, we're we're so thankful that you give clear instructions (laughs) that... um, that you and your word, you, you explain things to us so lovingly and graciously. And so, Father, I pray that you'll help us to receive these truths tonight. That, um, that, that you first loved us. And now that love that you've imparted to us, that like if we're being remade in it, if this is flowing out of us, then uh, we don't have to try and prove that we're Christians. That, that in fact, people will know. So, Father, I pray that you will create in us next steps that look more like leaning into you as opposed to experiencing things like guilt and shame and all these things because we just haven't been able to get it right. You are our source. You are the well that we need to continue to run to. And so, Father, I pray that for those who are thirsty tonight for more of you, I pray, like you said in in the scriptures, you said that you give uh, rivers of living water that refresh our souls. So, Father, I pray that if anybody here tonight needs their souls to be refreshed, Father, I pray that you will do that tonight. I pray that somebody will see you and and really just start to believe, maybe for the first time, that, that yes, Jesus actually really does love me just right now because it's in his DNA. It's who he is. He really does love me. Father, I pray for a little bit of belief in this room here tonight. And for those who are being remade in this truth, Father, I pray for hearts of worship that continue to remember what you've done. And I pray that you will just help us to to send this out to other people in our community so that they'll know that we are your disciple. Father, I pray that you'll work in this place. We give it all back to you and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray.